welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks so much, Les. He's a good, good mate. We've known each other for years. I was the best man at his wedding. Mate, who liked that song, Second to Last? I will give you all my worship. Sonic Flood, Sonic Praise album, 2001, I think it was. Those were good years. It's like, who reckons we should take get all the old music back, have revival? No. It's, the thing is, like, it says sing to the Lord a new song, so you could just take all the old ones that no one knows and sing them, and it's a new song to most people, so. But no, it's a good... Um, anyway, good morning everyone, Kia ora, uh, Koto. my name is Simon, I lead the, I lead the uh, church here along with my wife Christian, an amazing group of people, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord and you guys are look amazing and there is nothing like the house of God and uh, it's the series we've been sort of going through over the last few weeks, um, Heart for the House and the first session was all about the house of God and looking at how awesome it is and, and the characteristics and then the second part was all about the household of God and family. It's interesting how uh, it's not really a, a building that we meet in, although it's important. It's a, it's a people that we become a part of. Um, so that was awesome. I'm not really going to recap much more than that, but um, look online, our website, the, and YouTube, our, uh, the sessions are there. Very, very good and very, very important. But the third one is building on those two, and I want to share about it today, which is connection. Um, being connected in, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, is that even what we're supposed to do now as, as believers in the year 2023? So um, what, what does this word connection mean? It's a really important word. And in, in, in way of like relationship and with people, what does it mean? It means this, a relationship in which a person is linked to someone else. So emotionally, relationally, um, obviously, um, you're linked to your spouse, like that whole thing, your family, um, blood relatives, like that's, it's all a part of this linking, and it's, it's about relationship and connection. So a relationship in which a person is linked to someone else, and actually it's, it's a huge part of what we do um, as followers of Jesus. So I just want to jump right off into um, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31 first. Uh, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important. It's interesting how they had the, the Ten Commandments in their mind. There's a whole lot of other, there's hundreds of commandments that they followed. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen to Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. It's, it's fascinating. How Jesus just turned everything on its head um, and brought through an, an incredible truth that was still in the Old Testament, but he revealed it in the New. The, the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So in my mind, it's like, well, that's two commandments, right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself, and, and that's important. So Jesus is saying, well, the second is equally important, which he is. But then he says something fascinating. No other commandment is greater than these. He just like links the two together. He connects the two together, which is really important. So what is Jesus saying? And, and this is something that we need to understand. Our faith has always involved connection with us and God. 
and it has always involved, or it should always involve, connection between us and other people. That's the way, well, that's what Jesus is saying. You can't have one without the other. You simply can't. When, when we are believers, we, we're called to be believers, we're called to live the life as Jesus called us to live. It's like, yeah, I love God, but I just don't like people. Like, they annoy me. Um, and this is, is becoming a lot more popular now when everyone's sort of talking about deconstruction, and I will preach on that in, in future weeks. But it's like, yeah, my relationship with God's good, and I just love God, but I've been hurt by people. I don't like people, don't like church, because church is people. That We haven't got the privilege of... of of, of, of saying that, of picking and choosing. As Jesus said very, very clearly, that the greatest commandment, I guess, as, as we have now as, as New Testament believers, loving God with all of our heart, with a passion, and loving other people, being connected to God and being connected to other people. That's just so plain, and it's just right there. It's something we forget often. And then the church learned this very, very quickly. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41 onwards. Um, so Jesus rises from the dead. He's just about to ascend to heaven. He tells his disciples to wait um, in Jerusalem until they are clothed with power from on high. We understand that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's really important. So they're in Jerusalem. There's about 120 of them, and, and they're praying. And then the Holy Spirit falls. It's the birth of the church. Then they spill out of the upper room. They don't stay there. And they're sharing the praises of God. Other people are hearing it in their own languages. Verse 41, those who believed what Peter was saying, because then he preaches, were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So the church went from like 120 people-ish to 3,000. Like if you are admin-minded and you're thinking, man, how, how are they working that out? Like code of conducts and health and safety and how do you work out who's on the leadership team? Um, obviously the Holy Spirit helped them do it. But that happened in one day. Like the church became a mega church in like a few hours, which is amazing. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of, the of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I love that paragraph, the window into how the early church did it and how really we should be living. And, and there are some amazing things in that, and I've just listed them. Devotion, discipleship, fellowship, prayer, communion, which is centering on Christ, signs and wonders, generosity, regularly meeting together in homes and regularly meeting together in large gatherings, gladness, joy and thankfulness, favor with God and with people and, and daily salvations, people getting their lives right. And it carried on in, in, in Acts chapter 5 verse 40 and a few uh, chapters later, it says, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. Um, the ESV puts it like multitudes. Like multitudes means you can't count them. Like that is phenomenal, guys, how the early church just exploded with growth and exploded with life. I like that verse because it says more and more people believed 
and were brought to the Lord. Someone had to bring them, which is a challenge. Crowds of both men and women. It's interesting, a big chunk of that, <clears throat> excuse me, says that they regularly met together at the temple uh, in, in a large gathering, obviously, and they regularly met together in small groups. It's a good thing I brought my water. In homes to fellowship. <clears throat> so we see that connection has always been and should always be us connection in a relationship with God and us connecting with people. But we see how the early church did it. And this has never changed, by the way. They not only met in large gatherings like we're doing right now, they met in small gatherings, both regularly That's how they did it. They were loving God. They were loving others. They were meeting in large groups. They were meeting in small groups. And God did incredible things in their churches. It's just so simple, those two things. Connection with God, connection with people. Being passionate about the larger gathering and being also passionate about the small small gathering. This dual strategy of large group worship and small group fellowship is the biblical New Testament strategy and structure for the church. Not just then, but for today. I'll say that again. This dual strategy of large group worship and small group fellowship is the biblical New Testament strategy and structure for the church. Not just then, but for today. Rick Warren says this, and I love this. A church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. Larger through worship, smaller through small groups. So if we want to be biblical, if we want to be New Testament followers of Jesus, we'll understand two things today very, very clearly. It's connection with God. It's, it's love for God. That, that relationship we have is really, really important. But we just can't do that by ourselves. We're called to have connection, be linked with other people as well. So much so that Jesus sort of had two themes or two commandments and made them one commandment. Love God and love people. And then we see how the church did that. They met together in large gatherings and they met together in small gatherings. That is church community. So often we think, well, I go to church and I'm a part of a church and I turn up for a couple of hours on a Sunday and I do church. That's just like a small part of church community. We're not called to go to church, although we are. We're called to be the church which is meeting together regularly in larger gatherings like today and smaller gatherings. So often people come and it's like, well, I like the church. And they've only ever been to one small part of the church community. It's both. It has always been both. It has always been a large service and it has always been small groups as well. And, and why is that? It's, it's, it's obvious that there is strength in the large gatherings, but there are things that the, the large gathering can do that. You can't really do well in a, in a smaller gathering, but there are things and strengths of the small gathering that can't be done very well in the large gathering. And Jesus always knew that, and the, the early disciples knew that, and the early church knew that. That's why they had an emphasis on both, which is so good. And what we do, I think, is we like to pick and choose. It's like, no, I like the big service. Don't like people, so I don't like the small service. Don't like the small groups. Or people are like, oh, I love small groups, and I don't like the big and the loud. It's fascinating when we went through the COVID debacle. Uh, praise God, that's over and done with, hopefully for good forever, because that was just hard. Um, but we really felt we didn't want to 
as a church, like, add to the separation and the division was out there. So we decided to, to do church. We couldn't do the large gathering, but we did small gatherings. Um, and I'm so glad that the Lord led us that way. I'm not judging any other churches because it was a really tough time to lead. So we organized our church into, into smaller groups, into lounge churches, we called them. And, and we had like a, at least a couple of hundred people going every week, which was like a miracle. But we had a whole lot of people actually join Renew Church simply because they like small groups. And we were told, well, I don't like the large gathering, but I love these small groups, and they're so awesome. But we had a lot of people not go to them because it's like, oh, I don't like small groups. I just love the big church, and, and I don't want to go to small groups because it's like, it's all touchy-feely. I love, I love the larger service. Um, and then we sort of met back together again. Those ones that joined the church, some of them haven't, we haven't seen them. We only saw them. It's just like, because we're humans, we have preferences, and we decide we like to pick and choose. We don't have that privilege. We don't have that option. If we want to be biblical, if we want to be New Testament, it's connection with God, connection with other people, loving God, loving other people, being involved in a community, being involved in larger services, being involved in a community, a smaller group where people can know you and and talk with you and pray with you and encourage you and you can do the same. So the strength of the large meeting, number one, effective celebration and declaration happens in the large gathering. So much better than when you're like in a lounge with three people. You can still sort of celebrate God, absolutely. But there is something powerful about a large crowd. There always has been because our faith and the unity comes together and it creates something really, really phenomenal, especially when the Holy Spirit is upon it. Tim Keller, who's passed away now, uh, but he's an awesome man of God. He says this, God directs his people not simply to worship, but to sing his praises before the nations. We are called not simply to communicate the gospel to non-believers. We must also intentionally celebrate the gospel before them. Declaration is so powerful. What we're doing together today and what we did during worship time, we were, we were worshiping God. That was really powerful and it can be so intimate, but we are also declaring the goodness of God and the power of God and the lordship of God in the heavenly realms. There is power in that. That's spiritual warfare. When we come together like an army and worship God, and we actually mean it, and Satan trembles. And that can't really happen in the the smaller ones uh, as much. So Richard Foster says, Joy, not grit, is the hallmark of holy obedience. We need to be lighthearted in what we do to avoid taking ourselves too seriously. It is a cheerful revolt against self and Pride, celebrating. One, one of our values as a church, one of our purposes is to celebrate the goodness of God. And I personally take that seriously, even when I don't feel like it. Like God's worth celebrating all the time. Even when I'm not feeling good, even when I'm under the weather, He's still God and He is still awesome. So joy is a big part of what we do. As we get together, we can do that. We can have a party. You know what joy actually means? A definition of joy literally means to have a party. So we are called to be joyful, right? Kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. So we should be joyful and stoked and getting together and laughing and praising God. Um, If you guys like YouTube, Google Orthodox Jewish men dancing, just for something to do. 
and you will see videos of thousands of men and they're in suits and they're in top hats and they must be so hot, but they are dancing probably more enthusiastically than most people in churches do. And they live like they're still under the law, literally. So if there is that much joy and freedom under the law, what about us who know that Jesus has done it all for us? That we don't have to live up to this crazy rule of thousands of things. That, that, that Jesus has done it. When we get together and we can express that, that gratefulness to God, like that in a large church gathering is absolutely amazing if we get that. So effective celebration and declaration happens in the large. Effective communication happens in the large. Like that's why TED Talks are so popular these days. For whatever reason, the power of the spoken word, one person sharing with a crowd of people has always been incredibly powerful. Again, especially if, if, if people speaking are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking the word of God and the truth of God and the promises of God. Uh, you can do that in a small group setting, but when it comes to vision casting and, and a group of people understanding what God wants to do with their community, it's really, really amazing. And it, and it happens in the big, not so much in the small. Effective ministry happens in the large, where there's the power of unity, when people come together and they actually believe, they, they lean into belief, faith rises, and incredible things happen. Like you can come into a service and be really low, but be next to someone or be hanging out with someone who's faithful, and that faith will spill it over into you. Um, and you can have a breakthrough in your life simply because of the people around you are carrying the Holy Spirit. It happens in the large. It's really amazing, effective ministry. So as we're talking about the large gathering like today like what what can we do like how can I make a difference in the large like you might be thinking well I just turn up and I don't do a lot of talking Simon you're doing all the talking but uh, like is this like, what can I do like there is a whole lot of things we can all do attend regularly is so important myself and the oversight we we pray and we plan and like writing messages especially series are hard work because we know that it's a word in season not just for me and my uh, devotional life but for this church and, and and so I take you hopefully on a journey of like I'm doing now with that with the house of God um, because I believe God's got a vision for this house and God's got a vision for for us so he wouldn't speak to us as leadership if it wasn't on his heart for this this house, this community. So what happens is if we're not regular, we hear like one out of maybe four or one out of three. And most people probably won't listen to the, uh, the podcast again. So you only get a little bit of what God is wanting to do a as a community. So it's so important to, to attend regularly as much as you can. Be a thermostat and not a thermometer. Like a thermometer, it, it reads, it is influenced by the temperature of the room, right? It goes up and down. It's, it's influenced because of the, the atmosphere. But a thermostat, that influences the temperature. Like a thermostat and a thermometer is completely different. What happens most of the time with us as humans, we are thermometers when we come into an atmosphere or we come into a, an environment. When I mean atmosphere, I mean like a group of people. Like if everyone's sort of down on themselves and it's like everyone's quite grumpy, it's so easy to be a thermometer and let that um, influence how we feel and how we act. But we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we are called to be thermostats. So we can actually come into a situation and we don't have to succumb to the environment of that. Whether it's a group of people, whether it's a conversation, we can rise above and we can actually, because we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, change the atmosphere literally, quite literally. 
So when we come into a service, sometimes it's like, well, that's, that service was a little bit low. Everyone was like a little bit down. Oh, this service was like awesome. And like, we, we've, we've all prayed and it's like nothing really changes. Simply is this, and this is my, uh, my belief, we, we so often come in and we adapt to the atmosphere that's there. We are thermometers and not thermostats. God wants us to be a thermostat. So what can we do to, to do some incredible things? Just be a thermostat in the place, not a thermometer. Lean in. Lean in. Like believe. Like back in Jesus' day, he was, he was and like we know that like miracles happen everywhere. Jesus was preaching at Nazareth, and it simply says he could not do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. And there's a couple of train of thoughts. Firstly, because Jesus ministered in his humanity, but as God, but he relied on the Holy Spirit. The, the whole atmosphere just hindered him to do that. That's one train of thought. Um, it's quite controversial, but the other train of thought is that people just, they didn't lean into him. So when he gave opportunity for people to get healed, they just thought, nah, I'm not going to go to Jesus for healing. Both ways, it was the crowd that influenced whether God did incredible things there or not. So we have the power again. We can lean into belief. Or we can stand back and resist what God is doing. I don't mean like check your brain out at the door and, and, and to be stupid, but there are times when we can literally lean into belief or we can shy away from belief. So what we can do to, to see these services amazing is lean in to belief, participate, be friendly. Like just be friendly. Like it's free to be friendly. Like I, I, I should have looked at it, but man, I love trade me. Don't you love, hands up if you love trade me. Like I've got, was it 1,500 positives feedback, like one negative. And man, that's, I'm, I still almost cry when I think about that. But like I make it my mission or one of my missions in life to every sale I make and every, like I want to be really friendly. So I go out of my way to be friendly. And so often on my feedback, it's like, he's such a friendly guy. Like that's free. We should be friendly. Like just say hi to people. Say, how's it going? Like in your online correspondence, just like be friendly. When you come to church, be friendly. Like if someone rocked up to my house, and like if I was like yarning to, to, to my family, and this guy just came and sat down in the living room, like hopefully he's not like a bad guy, but like if, say if Christy invited a family in, um, and they were there, like how rude would it be for me to just ignore them? But so often it happens in church. People invite other people. And it's, this is our home. This is our house. If, if new people come in and, and they've been invited by someone else, like, why can't we just, like, hey, how's it going? Welcome to, to our community. Like, just be friendly. It's so easy, but so often we, we don't do it. Invite people. Like I said, the early church, they brought people. Like, obviously God did something in their lives and they believed, but then they brought people. So it's some amazing things we can do in the large. But there's also a strength in the small group as well. So what happens in the small group that sort of is more difficult to happen in the large? Effective discipleship happens in the small. Discipleship doesn't really happen like what I'm doing now. I, I just like throw out broad strokes of some ideas and I believe they're of the Lord and they're great if we're grabbing a hold of them, but chances are you're not taking notes and chances are you're probably going to forget it, uh, which, is, which is unfortunate. So the real Christians take notes. I think it's, it's somewhere in a lost manuscript of the Bible somewhere Christians take notes. But where am I going? Oh, discipleship. So 
like you, I, I can be sharing some amazing stuff, but it might be over your head this morning. You might not be listening. You might be thinking about something else. You might be checking your phone. So the Bible talks about the, the, the meat of the Word of God and like the milk of the Word of God. So just imagine you guys all lining up and I'm throwing out like buckets of milk to you this morning and throwing out steak. Like some steaks are going to whack someone in the head. Someone might be half drowned with a bottle of like the milk that I threw at them. So like some people might not even get some milk. Like that's what sort of happens on a Sunday service. Discipleship, like unless you're really into it, it's 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 you know, I'm really hungry. Like that obviously happens, but it's so it happens so much better and so much more effective in a small group. What did Jesus do when he started his ministry? He prayed, and then the first thing he he, he formed a small group, and that's how he changed the world. He actually had a succession plan in place before he started ministry. Pretty much, he got together a small group of guys and he journeyed with them. And obviously, they did the large service gatherings because that's important. But how did he disciple people? It wasn't in the large, it was in the small. Actually, with the large, like a lot of people didn't understand what Jesus was saying, but he said, well, this is what I meant. So it was the the after effects of the service with his small group. Effective discipleship happens in the small as we rub shoulders with people, as we journey. If you are not involved in a small group of believers, it doesn't have to be like a formal one or doesn't even have to be regular, but we need to be involved in a group of people that know us enough to say, hey, Simon, how's it going? You seem a bit down. Can Can I pray for you? What's up? Oh, I, I heard this, I read this in, 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 in the Bible app, and it's just so awesome, guys. I want to share that with you. That's effective discipleship. So if we just come to church and not come to a small group, you're missing out on half, at least half the deal. More than that, because discipleship's so important, because Jesus said, he didn't say go and make great churches or services. He said go and disciple. Make disciples of all nations. Effective fellowship happens in the small, it is very difficult to experience genuine fellowship in a crowd. That's why I love the Connect space because in a way that's sort of, it's a little bit of fellowship, but mostly my conversation is like, hey Simon, how's it going? Yeah, good, weather's dumb, ah, I feel a bit under the weather, like, yeah, family's good, sweet, see you next week. Like, it's, it's, it's just very shallow relationship when you're, most of our conversation on a Sunday because we just don't really have the time to sit down and really go deeper than that fellowship Effective fellowship happens in the small. Effective people care happens in the small, so much more than on a Sunday. Like the 50, there's 58 or so one another's in the Bible, you know, like, like love one another, um, submit to one another, get, carry one another's burdens. Like there's 58 plus of them in the Bible. Pretty much every single one of those were in a small group environment. In that scenario, it wasn't really in the big, large services. It was always in the small. And another thing that's amazing, you know, all the letters we read in the New Testament and all the crazy things that that they had to, to go through and manage with the church services, most of the church services that we see in the New Testament letters were small church services, are probably more close to a small group than they were to a large church service because a lot of persecution was happening. The church simply couldn't meet together in the large So they just met together in the small. So a lot of what we see, the teaching, happen in the small. Effective people care, effective pastoral care happens in the small. Why? Because you get to know each other. Like You can pretty much be a stranger in the crowd here this morning. And, and no one really can speak into your life or because they don't know you well enough or you don't have that relationship. When you're involved in a small group and when you're like journeying with people, that, it happens so, so well when people come together and they journey and they care for you 
It's called people care, pastoral care. Fourthly, effective spiritual gift development happens in the small. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the launch pad to to all these incredible Holy Spirit gifts. And and the Bible says to fan into flame the the gifts that we've been given. So it's like practice and learn to prophesy and, and learn to you know, pray for people for healing. Like they can't really happen easily in a large service, uh, but that can absolutely happen in a small service where you step out and you give a word for someone and they say, well, no, that's not quite right, Simon. I think you got that wrong, but I love you anyway and it's good that you had a go. It's like, oh, sweet. So, like it's not going to cause too much damage at all because they know you and at least you're stepping out. Then over time, you learn to develop your spiritual gifts. Like I really think spiritual gifts actually should be working more outside the church than inside. But the whole thing that God wants us to develop that happens in small groups. So as we see, it's the large, but it's not just the large, it's the large and the small. If we want to be biblical New Testament, it's loving God, it's loving other people, being connected to other people. But it's also, uh, it's also large gatherings, it's also small gatherings, and that's the way God made it. How can I make a difference in the small? Attend regularly. Secondly, get real. Become authentic. And every time like I'm thinking about this point, and as I've been preparing, like the Holy Spirit's been sitting really strongly on this, that it's so easy to, to have brokenness in our lives, but we put on this facade that everything's okay. Maybe it's because we're carrying shame, or we're just too embarrassed, or we think everyone's got it together. Like, coming from experience of leading a church, like pretty much none of us have it all together here. Like there's, there's like different percentages of how much we've got it all together, but we all struggle at times. Like there is a kryptonite, whatever it is, a weakness most of us have. Uh, and, and the worst thing we can do is pretend that we, we aren't struggling. Like the very best thing we can do is to be authentic. It's a value of our church, authenticity, to be vulnerable. But, but that is hard. And vulnerability can only happen when you trust people. When you're in a group, where, where people love you and, and they want the very best for you. So you can share and you know it's a safe environment. You know that that's not going to be like shared as a Facebook post about what's going on in someone's life. That's why I love, and this is probably one of the best things that's happened in the last couple of years, like Fight Club for me has been so incredible because like there, there were several small groups on a Sunday night and my small group was awesome um, and and. It's a couple of rules, like what's said in the small group stays in the small group. Like secondly, we actually want to encourage. So like if, if you're sharing something, like we're not going to like beat you up or roast you. It's like, wow, okay, well, let's pray for you. Um, what, uh, Jono was in my group, and he's so awesome. He's so pastoral. And, and he said, like, Simon, like, you're, you're not really a pastor here. You're just one of the guys. So like, let's put our occupations aside, and let's just be real men and share with each other and encourage one another. And if we're having a downtime, let's share about that. It's vulnerability, and it is so powerful. Um, Brene Brown, not even sure if she's a Christian, but she's got some great um, TED Talks. She says this, Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. But what I think is the reason why a lot of people don't want to get involved in a smaller group um, is because they simply don't want to be vulnerable. Let's just be real people. Like we know that Jesus has come into our lives and he's provided freedom and wholeness and we can. That, like that's the end game and that's available for all of us. But we're all going to have some downtime sometimes and we need each other to help carry us. Understand, grow and divide. I think a lot of reasons why small groups 
sort of stagnate is because it's, it becomes like I love my group of three guys and like I don't want it to grow and it's just like awesome but I, like, I don't want you to come because like you're weird. I just like my three guys so, um, and it never grows but like we know that living organisms grow. We know that cells grow by division. So we un- need to understand fundamentally that small groups by very nature of being a cell, like they are meant to grow and divide. So again, it's all about connecting with people. We, we can't be so precious about our group. We need to understand that if we're discipling well, it's going to grow. And there is going to be a time where it, it divides, which means we need to understand that every single person is a potential leader. And so what we're going to be carrying on, hopefully flowing into next year, um, three-tier leadership, a trainee leader, assistant leader, um, a leader in every single small group. Even if your small group's three people, I want you to have a trainee leader, an, ass- an assistant leader, and a leader because our whole heart is to see God do incredible things in this city. And, and small groups grow by division. That's, that way they can stay small, else they just become big. Um, so it's actually quite a big deal, like the, the big church service and, and, and the small home groups. Like Julian is our oversight for our small groups, like that's a big responsibility, Jules, wherever he is, like no pressure, but just feel that weight, like I can just like give that to him, like see this morning, I just get it. They say, and, and, and I'm not sure if I believe it or not, but maybe it's a little bit true that uh, church grows by the big service, but the health of the church grows through the small groups. And that is why, and it, it makes sense that you can have large churches and, and they aren't that healthy. Because like everyone loves the big, well those, but the small group, that's where the health happens. That's where true discipleship happens. That's where really the culture of the church outworks. So in conclusion, let's have the band up. Yeah, we've got time, so we're going to have a song at the end. That's awesome. Just recapping, connecting with God, deliberately building and strengthening connections with people. I started something new with my staff this week. Is like every single week. Like, we, we're going to meet and reach out to someone we don't know and, like, have a conversation and get to know a little bit about their lives. But it shouldn't just be a staff thing. It should be a, all the church thing, like meeting people. So connecting with God, connecting with others, commitment to church community in the large gathering and commitment to church community in the small gatherings. Like, we don't, we don't have, like, a, a formal church membership here. Um, but I do think it's important, if you call Renew Church your home, to, to come regularly, like, there's a statistic that a regular church attender attends once every four weeks now. It's like, that's pathetic. Like, a regular church attender will attend like, as much as they can sometimes. Like, they have um, the holidays and unwell. Obviously, I understand that, so it's no legalism here. But if we understand church community and we're committed to it, it will be a regular thing. And somehow get involved in a small group of people. Um, whether it's our fortnightly connect groups, whether it's the courses that we run occasionally, or whether it's just getting together and really doing life, not just having coffee, but really meeting together in the name of Jesus. Like We've got to be committed to that as well. So the definition of connection, like I said at the start, a relationship in which a person is linked to someone else. Is that like biblical? Like you can say that it's a dictionary definition, but a lot of what the dictionary says isn't, um, isn't scriptural. So that's that definition. A relationship in which a person is linked to someone else. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
It's a, it's a binding, like love. It's binding. It's connecting. It's all about what we're called to do, love God and love others. Isn't there like a, a 70s song that says, bind us together? Bind us together with what, what chords of love. Hands up if you know that song. Oh, like a few of you. Jason knows it. I was going to say everyone over 60 probably knows it, but Jason's, man, you're good with those hymns. Bring them back um, in context. Uh, but, but that whole thing of, of, of love binding us together, that means as, as a believer, we have got to say, God, like this is hard being vulnerable, being authentic, being honest. I love the big because I get to hide there. But, but becoming a part of a, of, a, of a group of people that I can journey with, that's important. That's all about God binding us together in love. And it's biblical. Let's all stand up, please. One last verse, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the Bible is very specific. talks about the, the devil being like a lion. So, okay, what's the characteristic of a lion? It's mostly the lionesses because lions don't do much, but it's the lionesses that do all the work. <laughs> They will usually almost always attack weak, young, aloof, and alone animals. Lions will almost always, they, like, they hardly ever attack. They don't. They, they always will attack weak, young, aloof, and alone animals. The reason why most people never uh, survive a lion attack is because they are almost always by themselves, that they are alone. So if, the, if it says that the devil is like a lion, we can, we can understand that the devil will usually almost always attack those that are weak, young, aloof, or by themselves. Lions hardly ever attack people that, or, or animals that are in a group, that are in a herd. That is the power of being involved in community, being involved in a group of people that know you and love you and they, and they know how you're going and they know when you're up and down and they love you anyway and they encourage you. It is so important. So we know that the enemy is out there like a roaring lion. The very best thing we can do is get planted in and get committed in and get connected in with people that love us. So let that be a challenge to all of us. Love God, love others. Be involved in the big, be involved in the small. I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to open up the altar call. We're going to do an old-fashioned altar call this morning. If you know you're not right with God, you want to get right with God, but you know it's something that you need to do by yourself between you and God, just come and kneel. And, and maybe someone will rest their hand on your shoulder and pray for you, but no one's going to ask specifically um, what to do. I do strongly believe that when the Holy Spirit's moving, uh, the best thing we can do is to obey Him. So if that's you, as we start singing, please come forward, please kneel. It's a, it's a holy moment. Um, like there's a lot of altar calls for people to get saved. There's not often a lot of altar calls for people to, to want to step out into ministry. So if God is calling you into ministry this morning, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you know that you need a miracle, you need prayer, um, please come forward. Most importantly, if you need to give your life to Jesus, um, we would love to pray with you. So there's no shame. Please come forward, stand. If you want prayer, um, just stand. The, the ministry team will come and pray for you. If you just want to spend time in the presence of God, but you know God is calling you to greater commitment or adjusting of your life, but you know it's between you and God, just come forward to the, to the altar call, the front, and, and kneel and do business with God. So Lord, I want to thank you again for the incredible thing called the house of God. Lord, the characteristic of the house of God, it's a place of celebration. It's a place where 
when where people, ministers, priests, Lord, worship you and they help others connect with you, God. It's the only place that is described as straddling both heaven and earth. It's a powerful place. Lord, we know now, Lord, it's not just a building. It's not just even a house. It's the household of God. We become a family, God, and how you love and delight in placing the lonely in family and families. And I pray that will happen today. But also, God, it's about connecting with you and it's about connecting with others. Lord, I pray for people that have been hurt by people because hurt people will hurt people. I pray for a healing to take place right now. Actually, while I've got our eyes closed, if, if, if you've been hurt by someone and you know that, that maybe you've even forgiven them, but that's still there, just raise your hand high, please. I just, I'd just love to pray for you. Thank you so much. There's a few hands over here. Anyone else? Thank you. Father, for those that have been hurt by people, and Lord, a lot of us, we've forgiven them and we've released them to you, but that, that, that hurt is still there. I want to thank you, God, that you came to heal the brokenhearted. So I pray for healing of broken hearts, especially around this area of, of hurt people hurting other people now. I pray for, for breakthrough that we'll be able to move on. Lord, we release those people, we bless those people, but Lord, we pray for a complete healing emotionally in our lives that we'll be able to trust people again, that we will love people like you want us to love them. We love you, God. As we sing, God is so good. Lord, may we celebrate your goodness. May we, may we declare your goodness in the heavenlies to the whole world this morning. Have your way, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward as we sing. If not, just lift the roof with praise and worship. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.